Joker. Hey, how you guys doing? It's producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to the Marvel Hacks. Y'all, we are going into the Wayback Machine, all the way back to 1997. We'll get to it in a second. On the line is Brother Beaver. Say what's happening, man. What up, Marvel Hacks? I know. It's been forever since we've done a comic episode, and there's really been a reason for that, for the most part, that modern comics aren't great. Much like modern wrestling, those two things, there's an appearance of what we liked when we were younger, but it's only really an appearance. And so as we were reading some of the more recent Marvel books, you know, it just became kind of like a, a like more of a chore than something that we enjoyed. And so we've always done a little bit better going back to the books from when we were younger. So we're going to go all the way back to 1997 in anticipation of the Disney Plus relaunch of X-Men, the animated series called X-Men 97 to see what was going on in those books in the X-Men in the year of 1997. So we're going to look at the Uncanny book and the new X-Men book that launched in, what, 1992. Uh, the issues as we go through will be starting at uh, Uncanny 340 and then X-Men 60. And we will go through there. We'll slide off into some different topics here and there. I'm not 100% sure. Is there a crossover event somewhere in these books? Did you get a chance to look that up? Oh, I don't know what it is, but this is definitely crossover era. Mm. I mean, this was like... This was almost to the point where it was just pure filler. It mm. was all house shows and then pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. was the crossover. So, yeah, this is definitely the era where, like, you were lucky if you could have the same creative team two books in a row. Boy. If there was a story that actually finished. Because uh, it was all just setting up the next big crossover and the multi-cover variant nonsense. Oh, yeah, so. there. And they're, they're, the Phalanix are here, but I don't think, is this Phalanix Covenant era? I thought that was earlier. Or did the Phalanx make a reappearance? No, nah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, well, so the Phalanx were in the actual, the first run of the cartoon, like for season four. Mm. So they were probably, let's see, and then when did, when did Booberry come out? Um, <laughs> and, and Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah. No, they did a Phalanx Covenant uh, story within. The first run, which is called X-Men 97 because it ran for five years and started in 92, so they're picking mm. it up. So it would have been like 93, 94 probably, okay. and then they stuck it in there. So yeah. And oh. plus it, they're, the, the whole, like them was that, you know, that stems from, uh, Warlock and New Mutant stories from even farther back. So yeah, okay. that, that was old. Now I, I can't remember how they come back. I'm sure they, get recycled at some point but yeah the the original phallic coming in, i think would have been out by now so, yeah so we're going to look at the creative teams for both of these books uh x-men book is in a interim phase and we'll talk about that a little bit the uncanny book has a, a very steady at least artist and uh writer team but like i said we'll jump into it all together but first this is your series overview. Like I said, uncanny starting in, um, 340. And I have an error here. So it's 340 to 350-ish. And then X-Men's, uh, 60 to 70. This is post onslaught era. So we have that going for us, which is nice. This is in a post, uh, age of apocalypse era as well. So you have those two major events that kind of reset the X-Books in two different ways, but as you said before we started recording, these are some filler ass books. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, 
part of it is to just drop into it cold. Now, the funny thing too is this is like, you know, these are these are still they these are still wordy comic books. This is not twenty two splash pages. This is. <laughs> Whew, I I had to have barbecue to get through the rest of this this whole thing, you know. So yeah, yeah but uh, we did definitely get airdropped into these stories. Yeah, and again, it's just 1997, and like you said, the X Men the the cartoon that's picking up is just kind of picking up from there. We're gonna talk about that here in a second. But I was like, I was going back and going through the books, and I was just going through the covers, like to see if that would do anything to like kind of sharpen my memory. And then I was like, man, when we get to 350, I remember that being a big deal with the Gambit reveal. Like I remember that being a big deal back in the day, but was also a a fairly large letdown as well with some super retconning. But I I, I don't know. Like it's just kind of like a a weird era of X books. You're in this post Claremont post image launch era and you kind of have these books trying to compete artistically against those image books but also Mm -hmm. try to maintain the historical aspect of you know the claremont era by telling these you know kind of ranging and long read stories to you know kind of keep that sort of continuity what do you think yeah and i just i looked it up we're, so we're an, a year past Age of Apocalypse, a year or more past Age of Apocalypse, and mm-hmm. the next crossover is Operation Zero Tolerance. And so we're definitely in the the humans are the bad guys, but mm-hmm. there's people propping up the humans. Um, and so in that respect, this does definitely carry forward into the stories that are being told right now. Yeah, and especially there for the books for tonight, uh, and we'll get into it. All right, so before we get there, where the hell are you in January of 1997, sir? Um, I am. Have you made the move? Are you are you no, Texas bound at this, this point? This is. I'm finishing up grad school. Okay. Finishing up grad school. Uh, I think I'm living back in Dayton at this mm-hmm. point, okay. or at least in the greater metropolitan Dayton area. Um. So yeah, just uh, still a nerd. Um, <laughs> have a girlfriend at this point. Oh, wow, yeah. We're cohabitating, living in sin, nice. as they call it. Yes, and, yes. Uh, yeah. So no, but still, still, uh, waiting for the 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 big journey out of state is okay. is is coming up right around the time of Operation Zero Tolerance. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm in Florida. My first run. Uh, in Florida before the relaunch <laughs> and the reboot. And the first, your first run in the territory. <laughs> yeah. And before the reboot for that loser leave town match. Um, I'm probably, I'm in a relationship that's going to end poorly in about a year. Uh, and then 98 is a terrible year for me personally and family wise. It, it was just a bad year. So this is the literal calm before the storm situation, but I'm still working in education doing whatever I can to read comic books and go to the comic book store on Wednesday. Uh, that was pretty much it. You know, I really wasn't doing too much on that first run in Florida because uh what is there to do? <laughs> it's basically, it's too hot to do hardly anything at that point. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 yeah. It, yeah. When we, if we, if, and when we get to 98, yeah, that's going to be a completely different story, but yeah, I'm still down there, but, and not plotting my, uh, 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 
eventual tried to get out of there to return to the motherland. See that in 1998. All right, here we go. <laughs> That'll be the 1998 issue. All right, so X Men uh, 97 on Disney Plus coming soon. Uh, supposed to have been out sometime this year. It got pushed back. I don't think this is a writer strike thing. I just think things got pushed back. Coming out in early 2024 at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts and expectations here? Uh, Hutch is not on here tonight, but he would tell you that that original X Men the animated series sucked. I would <laughs> want to smack him upside wrong. the head. Yes, I want to smack he, him upside he the head wrong. because he's a hundred percent wrong. But because speaking of the motherland, can you go home again? Like, what is the expectation, and or who is the target audience for this show? Because most yeah. people that would have seen it are definitely closer to AARP. Um, than you know, like some young kids that would think about watching it. So, um, there's a lot there. Um, <laughs> so I would say the animation was always pretty bad. I mean, like the static animation, them just turning, just standing there, and the character designs was fine, was great. But then whenever anybody had to walk, mm. let alone fight, particularly Wolverine's fights were always pretty bad. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great. Uh, the voice acting was great. The the translation of the stories was usually pretty good, but they would always kind of do some weird stuff for, uh, for not great reasons. And then after, you know, season three, after like Dark Phoenix, it kind of starts to fall apart because they didn't, they had sort of worked through most of the classic stuff. And then they were doing some updated stories that were kind of a mix of what was in the books, but kind of some of the stuff had gone before. So it, it did kind of get weird. And then, when they switched up the animation style later, it just, that was, that was kind of the beginning of the end. So my, I think part of the reason when it's been pushed off, I just think they fig- finally figured it out, like they just can't keep up the pace of putting stuff out and people can't absorb it. So Mike, I kind of feel like they knew they couldn't get a movie into the release cycle just with everything that was already planned. And this would be something that I would spark interest because of the popularity of the show. And I, what I'm really wondering is if like this really becomes the launching point for the X-Men that we expect to see in the movies at some point, or if it's just a filler and it'll be disconnected. So that's kind of the thing I wonder. Um, now, the thing that made it good was they were showing reasonable depictions of classic storylines. Are there classic storylines in the interim for them to base this on, particularly if they're just dropping into the ser- the scenario, the setup, which is Magneto leads the X-Men and Professor X out of the story? That I don't know. So I don't know if they're going to just do original stories or try and adapt something before. Um, I kind of would rather see them just like create a new continuity, but then I don't know. So target audience, I think they're obviously leaning heavily on the nostalgia but at the same time, I think they're trying to set up just general fans of the MCU. And hopefully this is a, a, a lead into the movie that we probably won't get to like 2027 at this point Jesus. with the roster they've got already lined up. Yeah. I, it, I, I don't know. Again, we dip into our childhood a lot on this various shows and we're full ass adults. Well, not full ass, but close to full ass <laughs> adults when, uh, when the original show comes out and, 
you know, it met like it met and went way above our expectations at the time on mm-hmm. the rewatch. You know, it does have obviously its problems and concerns that can be alleviated with better animation. You would assume better storytelling, all of that with a bunch of Disney money behind it. But. I, what? Yeah. What stories are we going to tell here? Are we going and we're using the same team? That is my understanding from the original cartoon. So you have no. Well, they've update. added a couple. So their sunspot is going to be in it. Okay. And Morph is back in it, but more like, kind of more like his. Actually, from what I saw, it was more like his Age of Apocalypse design. Oh, okay. But then I think everybody else is in it. Bishop with a legitimate hairstyle oh, instead of the Jerry Curl. Uh, Jerry Curl. Yeah, Lord. Um. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, the bar was set fairly high with Wolverine and the X-Men, the cartoon on Nick. And that's a very good cartoon. Yes, it's Wolverine-centric, but the animation is amazing. They tell fairly good stories and left us on the worst cliffhanger ever. And now this is the follow-up, what, 14 years later, 15 years later. It just seems like the, the gap in between this on top of the fact that there's a good portion of time there where the X-Men were making comic books or they were comic books, but they had been replaced by, you know, the Inhumans that Marvel kind of ignored them a little bit, not a little mm-hmm. bit, a lot of bit for a lot of years. So that gap in between, like I just, is that 20 to 30 year old who would have been somewhere growing up in that time frame going to care enough about this to load up Disney Plus to watch this particular show. I'm very curious as to see what it is. You know, if they put a bunch of money behind it in creative teams and they give us a X-Men version of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, bet I'll be sitting here watching it every Saturday morning too. But if it's just another Disney-like kind of produced cartoon, I, I, I probably have no interest in that. Come on, you're gonna watch an X-Men cartoon. I, 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 I will debate you on that, and I would tell you that I would not. If I mean, is- when we get to episode six and it's the customary mojo episode, <laughs> then yes, I will, I will, yeah. I will concede. Yeah. You know, if they just like, oh, you know, here's a, we gotta have a mojo story. And then, yeah. I don't know, but they, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's I'd almost weird. like it. I don't even know what to expect, honestly. <laughs> honestly, it's, this, I, might, I this no might be where we just need to not think about it, so yeah. that when it comes out, we can enjoy it. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, the, the question is: w- Will Rogue have cakes uh, <laughs> laying on the ground? They're fighting apocalypse. Hell because yeah! If, because if it doesn't, I'm not watching the show. Hell so yeah! Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you all know what we're talking about. Exactly. You all know you can picture that exact frame from that exact episode. You know that's right. Uh, all right, so let's get into the first book tonight. It's Uncanny uh, X-Men number 340, released January of 1997. Our creative team of Scott Lobdell and our artist Joey Madrur, never could pronounce it. Our inks are on Tim Towson. Um, our cover Tracer. here. Yeah, our cover here is Iceman with it looks like old man Logan, to be fair, um, <laughs> that he's cu- holding here. Uh, yeah, that's our creative team. So we're going to talk a little bit about the creators of this particular book. Uh, some good, some bad. And we got another question here coming up about that too. So Scott Lobdell, he was the heir apparent to Chris Claremont. Okay. So he's going to be given reign of these books 
And he's going to be kind of the creator overlord, really, of a lot of the X-Men universe at this particular time. He's going to be writing both of these books that we're going to review tonight. And he's going to be on both of those books for a very long time. And he essentially just kind of co-opted Claremont's style of telling these long-term stories with a thousand words in them. And, you know, with a various artists on these particular books. He takes over at Uncanny 286. Off and on time finishes up at 393. X-Men number uh, six, the X-Men book at number six and finishes at 116. So, I mean, doing the math there. I mean, what? He's on these books, what, eight years-ish? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's on there for a very long time. And he's also, you know, at the point writing X-Factor. I mean, he's all over the place on these particular books. So it's like, okay. I mean, do you remember anything about the Lobedale books? Like, am I crazy thinking that he was just, you know, doing a great value Claremont? I mean, so what drove me off the books was like the Grant Morrison area where, where the characters started to deviate from the norms that I thought had been established. And so I think, you know, I, I would struggle to sit here even over with 200 books to consider to say this was a quintessential Scott Lobedale story, mm-hmm. but he definitely like, kept this he kept the ship sailing Mm -hmm. you know so i think in that regard you're absolutely right it was it was continuity and i would also say yeah there are there are no like because of the just the the revolving door of right of um of artists like there's not like he doesn't have a definitive partner in the way that claremont did right Right. so that's another thing to consider but you know i think it was just like yeah, I'm sure there is great stuff in there, but there's nothing that I uniquely associate with him. I think yeah. he wrote uh, a long period of X-Men that was perfectly fine for the yeah. most part. Yeah, that's it. You know, you're just, hey, man, come up with something and don't screw it up. And that's what mm-hmm. they did. And they allowed him to do it for years. You know, it's like, oh, Lobedale's on this book. Lobedale's on this book. Lobedale's on this book. And, you know, I don't remember. That's, that's such a good point. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, man, that was a Lobedale freaking Joey Mad book that I remember or whatever. No, not really. There's no definitive story that he's in charge of. And again, he gets X-Men 350, that pentel, you know, this huge like thing that was supposed to be built up to Gambit's big reveal and popcorn yeah. fart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, fair. that's basically it. So, yeah. All right. So we can't talk about the good of Lobdell without talking about the bad. So once he's off of X-Men, he winds up going over to DC. He's on DC for a long time. He's a huge part of the uh, new 52 relaunch doing, I think, the new Teen Titans. Um, like he's a big part of that. Like, you know, he goes to the exclusive deal at DC. Uh, accused multiple times of sexually harassing a young female artist and pressuring them into things. He gets caught for it one time and he, you know, kind of, you know, they kind of brush it under the rug a little bit and then he gets caught doing it again. And then he's been off the book and pushed off of mainstream comics. You know, he's in his, I think he's 60 if I read correctly, you know, uh, again, there was a time when we didn't know anything about these types of things. Like, you know, the internet was barely a thing or, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people in the Mar- mighty Marvel bullpen that were absolute freaking tears to the few female and or minority mm. people that worked in those offices. But in a new era here, like he got busted and he got busted twice. And so 
I, did you ever hear anything about this? I remember when it came out because you no. know being on Twitter. I remember when it came out. I, no, I didn't. Um, not not at all surprising. Not you know not for based on anything on him, but just the, the that industry in general. Um, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird industry. It attracts kind of weird dudes, and you know, there's very few females that are in that industry, and you know, there is nothing good can come from that. A lot of those times when you have these dudes who are socially awkward in and of themselves, and they get yeah. in these situations with a little bit of power, and they use that power to abuse the people that work underneath them, and. Yeah. This is probably a period where they were starting to get more diversity amongst the creative teams or yeah. just barely beginning to. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, there the, it is. the last obstacle. So yeah. that, you know, and, and that was, you know, probably opportunity for this sort of thing to begin with. So, yep. And I do believe I read that he's a comic skater now, you know, so he's joined that Ethan Van Skiver group of freaking, you know, Hey, I got me too or whatever. And, you know, so I'm just going to write like ridiculously white eurocentric goofy uh-huh. ass heroes and it it would make sense you know you got popped so this is the group of people that i'm going to like you know throw in with because i can't get a job on a mainstream comic situation so uh if that is to be true fuck scott lopedale because um, mm. <laughs> uh those people are the worst all right our artist it's Joey Madge, y'all. I can't say his last name. <laughs> so, uh, that is our guy here. He is going to be the artist on a lot of these books. I forgot he picked up in the age of apocalypse on astonishing X-Men. Yeah. And I remember those books. Those books were uh, age of apocalypse was great. I'm sorry. I'd yeah. probably go back and read it now and I'll be like, damn, this is some bullshit. <laughs> but, <laughs> I remember those books as being so good at the yeah. time, man. Uh, so yeah, he picks up there. He's on 312 of X-Men, uh, with some breaks, uh, here and there, which we'll talk about. And then he leaves to go do his creator own battle chasers. <laughs> I wish, I wish Hutch was here. Um, do you got any battle chasers there, brother Beavis? I don't. This was your, as I recall, this was your book. Oh, and, uh, oh, no, sir. I don't know. How many, how many years chasers. after the start, how many years after this story, that series started, did this number three come out? Yeah, the th- there was an issue between six and seven, a 16 month delay. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, nice. Yeah. Look, we understand working for the man on this podcast. We truly do. And there are issues with working with the man. However, <laughs> One of the issues of working with the man is that, like, we need a version of productivity yeah. for you to be able to get things done so we the can The man kind of expects some books to be drawn <laughs> eventually. Exactly. Yeah, so if you're like, oh, fuck the man, I'm going to go make my creator own shit, that's fine. <laughs> go ahead. But you do have to put the shit out eventually, and not every 16 months. Uh, So, yeah, I never read no Battle Chasers. I ain't got no Battle Chasers comic books. Uh. I ain't got no battle chasers comic books, man. So, I, I, uh, Generation but, X, right? He wrote that or he drew that? Uh, did he? No, that's Bachelor, I believe. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's Bachelor. So, yeah. Now he gets on this book and I remember at the time, like, wow, these books are really cool because he was doing a, uh, a different style that we had, you know, that we mm-hmm. had been, hadn't really seen before, you know, the, and, and the cool thing, I was just looking at this now, like this, like, looks like comic book art mm. like 
you know, there's so like every, all the modern stuff we picked up, there's, there's definitely instituted like the mighty Marvel style or whatever, but like, this is just like, just slightly disproportionate and emphasized in different ways. Like this looks like comic book art. And, right. and I'd say that as a, as a compliment. Yeah. Everything is moving, but not moving. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it feels very actiony if yeah. that's a word. Right. And so, yeah, he gets on the book and I remember, I remember him leaving the book to go do battle chases and being kind of upset by it. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, you know what? Who yeah. are they going to replace with him? I remember that part of it, but. We're going to have a question here momentarily. I don't know if it's here, but it might come up in a bit. So let's go to the X-Men book. Uh, Cedric Nukun is the writer of the book for or the artist for the book tonight. He's just doing two filler issues and uh, after Kubert leaves and then he's right in between before Carlos Pacheco picks up R.I.P. who just died uh, this past year. Uh, and again, mostly a D.C. artist. I never heard of him before or after this particular moment. Any Cedric No Cone stories or anything like that? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, no, no I don't. Co- yeah, Cedric No Coons. All right. Got gotcha. you. All right. So let's jump ahead then. All right, so let's get into X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, number 340. On the recap here, Graydon Creed is running for president, y'all, on the Trump platform, to be mm, fair. Much. Oh, yeah. holy shit. Um, this is the Trump platform that he's running on. Uh, the X-Men, knowing that he is a danger and knowing that he is the uh, son of Sabretooth and Mystique, they have infiltrated his campaign to try to get information on it before he becomes president. That's Iceman and Cannonball that are uh, on the campaign. Uh, Creed finds out about Bobby being undercover there. He hunts down Bobby's father, has him beat all to be damned, and then he winds up in a hospital. And that's where our book picks up. Do you remember this book from before having to read it now? No, not really. Yeah. Um, not really. Like it was more honestly, like I know more about like Bobby's relationship with his family from like the movies and stuff. <laughs> and this was like, you know, again, like when when everyone's like surprised that they started depicting Iceman as gay in the books, and like like it shouldn't be like the failed relationship and the tro- the the series of failed relationships and the troubled relationship with his father. I mean, yeah. they were writing this stuff like for the longest time ever, um, right? So yeah, but yeah. no, this is still Iceman, angsty Iceman. Yeah, it's just a book. Uh, just we're telling a story and a larger story about Creed trying to become president. That is a huge story, and it was at the time. And we'll jump over uh, to a different book here as we go through this one. But this book is really just Bobby reacting to this and a, Tory, a story told in a flashback about mm-hmm. how Creed, you know, becomes aware of Bobby being in that campaign and then him getting, you know, beaten up or whatever and then the team's reaction to it so storm is the leader that goes and consoles bobby she goes to gambit as well. mammy's i believe Ma- yeah, yeah mammy uh, mammy storm <laughs> uh, uh stay tuned folks it will come back later um and know he's just you know completely distraught about what happened to his dad you know the underlying plot of that is that you know his dad never gave him up in that regard you know when they were beating the shit out of him he never told him that he was a mutant or anything like that you know he just they just beat his dad up and you know, and it's it, it's a good story filler in between something story. And again, it's telling the story that's in a larger portion of this about Creed running for president, which is going to you know end in a weird way in X Factor One Thirty here in a bit. 
but I mean, it's really just kind of a more of a human interest story. So if you're mm. looking for like comic book and you know, bing, pow, boom, pash, there's really nothing in here for that. And again, I don't remember off the top of my head if this is like Lobdell's wheelhouse, but I mean, this is a fairly well written story. There's nothing to really bitch about about it, is it? No, and there are any number of Claremont episodes that are like this too. I mean, yeah. like it's just. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think of it in those terms before we started talking about it. But I mean, it's very much like, <laughs> like the analogy would be like, you know, when, when, uh, you know, like Ozzy Osbourne guitarist Randy Rhodes dies, and just there's a string. You know, Jakey e. Lee is is known because like he didn't. You know, he didn't ruin the band. It's got some yeah. great stuff. You know, so <laughs> it's like that. It's like you know, I, I, and and like Zach Wild to say like you know I. I came in, I played the, the, the solos like they're supposed to be played. Right. So it's like, you know, somebody comes in and like, I see what you've made here. I'm going to keep it going. Occasionally it'll have my stamp on it, but more often than not, it's going to look like what you're used to. Yeah. I'm not going to, it's not, it's going to be, you're not going to like it. Yeah. I'm not going to paint outside the numbers here. Like this is what y'all like and are used to. That's it. I will use a wrestling reference that I have from my note. This is a rest hole, man. (laughs) <laughs> like everything's going like, all right, we need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. We got a big yeah. story coming up here. Yeah. So I'm going to take a rest hold and just kind of slow everything down. And then we'll pick it back up here in a couple of issues. But yeah, this is a complete rest hold issue. Um, yeah, it also Creed, uh, has Cannonball working for this campaign as well. Uh, obviously Cannonball knows full well who his parents are. And, you know, their whole little black back plot is, you know, Cannonball knows it. And he's kind of poking the bear a little bit about that as Creed starts to suspect that maybe Sam is a part of, you know, some infiltration as well. So my question here for you, this is the start of the Cannonball push, right? Yeah. Uh, Next, next stick with me for next issue, sir. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> have you looked you know what's coming i do believe well, i know right. what is coming next so yeah yes. this was the this was sam 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 guthrie as shane douglas uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yeah our next superstar yeah he's getting him or he's, not. he yeah. is going to get the big push here yeah. and I, please make a note of the bodyguards here if you're watching this on <laughs> please make note of the bodyguards because this is going to come back here in a second so uh, you know, Cannonball as a character, this is really the first time that I ever cared about him, especially after the next issue here, because it just, and he was always just a new mutant dude and an X-Force dude. And I didn't really read X-Force, especially when Cable was around because I hated the character. Yeah. You know, he gets called up to the big time here, you know, up to the uncanny team. But I love his power set, but I just never cared about the character. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it just never like resonated with me. I'm not really sure why. Because Kentucky, he's from Kentucky. He's a white yeah. dude from Kentucky. Yeah, come on. come on. I mean, yeah, that's fair. His father was a coal miner and all yeah. that. I get that part. But I just, it just never like, but his power set is great. I love his mm. power set. Like, I think it's really cool, but it's also can't, it feels like a new mutant power set too. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, oh yeah, he can never control his powers. Yeah. Like, every single one of them had like, either like a DC level weakness or <laughs> like they couldn't control it. Right, it just—it was kind of messy sometimes with him, but that's fine. It's, well, he's going to come back here in a little bit too. All right, so here's our side brother topic. <laughs> All right, so Wolverine <laughs> makes an appearance here. 
Wolverine I was just, I just flipped to this, and I was like, yes. well, that's an interesting interpretation. Yeah, okay, so Wolverine makes a, an appearance here in this, and, you know, just, you know, he's kind of the backup there to make sure nobody gets, you know, hurt that's undercover. Uh, this is a post-adamantium ripped out yeah. Wolverine from, was that, uh, X-Men 25, yeah. and he's gone feral over time. That which, you know, since the adamantium was out, the story is like, oh, well, since it was gone, his body was just starting to go into another level of mutation. And are we sure Joey Mad is a good artist, <laughs> sir? Are we well, sure? Again, uh, I'll say it's it looks like comic book art. And oh. yes, this is bestial Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a little much. I like are, the I like the transition to the panel on the bottom. It's this is good. This is good visual storytelling. Let's say that. Okay. Are we sure? Because if you <laughs> see, if we go back here, if we if you see those bodyguards there now, again, I would never defend Rob like that. That's that's forced perspective, like in the Hobbit movies. Uh, okay. He only looks bigger because he's in the foreground. Because Could you look wait, at the no, hands? It works the other way around. Yeah, look at the hands <laughs> on these bodyguards. Are we a hundred percent certain that Joey Mad was a good artist? Now, but if you see anything that he's done recently, he doesn't do this. Like his artwork is completely different now. So obviously he was drawing a particular style at this particular point, doing this kind of, you know, faux anime stuff. But like I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like it may be at this point he was this because there's a paid panel coming up here. I think it's on there where you could definitely tell we had a stunt artist or somebody had to fill in there. Again, because he couldn't turn a book around in 28 days. Yeah. Like after a point, he just couldn't do it. I've heard he loved video games. That has definitely taken away a lot of productive work hours from folks. That and weed. So, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I the retrospective it, on it's this stylized. Come, come on, on, man. I, I are we a hundred percent sure? Ninety nine point four four. I was There's... definitely down with dude. I was definitely down with dude at some point in time, but it's going to start. Unfortunately, we're coming up to his ending route, not yeah. his beginning route. And so he's going to be forced to draw characters such as Maggot and Marrow. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, those are not good times, y'all. Just, uh, uh, just to let y'all know, those are not great X-Men times. But yeah, so Wolverine takes care of the people that are spying on the campaign. Uh, he's feral, blah, 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 blah. All right, so this is that stuck cock page, uh, where I'm not a hundred percent sure. And basically, my, my title is Iceman is out. Not the way you're thinking, though. But yeah, he's just gonna leave the team. You know, he's just like, you know, my father. After this long conversation with Storm on the roof, you know, I, you know, my father's love for me. That's why he did it, even though he didn't, you know, he didn't out you as a mutant to everybody else. And Storm, you know, it's just a parent's love and all of this. And Gambit has a whole conversation with his father in the hospital about, you know, how he didn't give him up as well. It's, this is just a personal story to get Iceman off the team, not in a bad way. And that is not a slam on Iceman or this particular story, but this is basically what issue 340 is. It's just a way to get Iceman off the team momentarily. What are your thoughts? Uh, no, I think you're right. And I, again, without like, without like looking at what the team was and what the team becomes, it's hard to put that in context. Um, but yeah, that is obviously the biggest outcome of those. Yeah. I I do want to give, I think we, we flipped past a couple pages. I just noticed this. 
the there's a sequence where Jean Grey is reading The Sword of Shannara by Terry Brooks, which is a <laughs> classic uh, fantasy series. They even adapted it to an MTV show, I think, that wasn't that oh, great. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, he's, his Jean Grey is a spectacular drawing, by the way. Just he yeah, has but, a clear thing but for redheads. You also have to be like, is that Jean or Rachel or yeah, any not, other? Yeah, is that Mary distinction. Jane? Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of distinction there. That's fair. All right, yeah. I mean, and then Storm, to be fair, uh, looks a lot like new WWE superstar Jade Cargill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, or vice versa. He's, Jade yeah, Cargill vice looks versa. Like, she's yeah, been uh, cosplaying as Storm yes, yes, and made a career I, out of it. So. We're not mad at that, by the way. FYI. All right. And so that's how the book ends. Iceman is going to leave the team. And then this is that era where it's like, hey, man, you can't just buy the X-Men yeah. book. You got to buy all these damn But at X-Men least they're books. in order. Like, yeah. at least, like, it came out that month. It's mm-hmm. not like, so you brought up the earlier books earlier. You brought up, like, modern books earlier. So in the interim, I read a gang of, like, of the latest books. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out, like, what order to read them in, Mm. They actually make sense and tell a larger story and it's worth reading. But like there should, if there was a diploma at the end of that, I would do it. Like <laughs> if I, if I got some paper after we're like putting in that work, I would consider it. But God, they do not make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, this, they wanted your extra $3, but yeah. at least it came out that month and then it would pick up in the next month. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, he- hello, kid. Hello, fellow kids. Back in this day, if they were telling that story on week one of Wednesday, <laughs> on week yeah. two of Wednesday, X Factor is going to come out so you could continue that story week to right. week. Because then X Men 60 is going to come out in week three. So you are following a continuous continuity to right. be able to pick up these books and to their benefit. We were forced to buy all them shits, not forced, but we were forced to feel like we needed to buy all of them to make sure we completed the story. So like, damn, I'm not collecting X Factor, but I want to know what's going to happen because it's telling me I got to read X Factor. So I'm going to have like a get assassinated. Yeah, I'm going to have an X Factor 130, but I might not have any other ones until it picks up in some other storyline. So, yeah. And again, this is an era when things came out. Generally on time. And it was, I mean, I, I, I can rarely remember a day of going to Tate's Comics, shout out, that they were like, yeah, no, that didn't come in this week. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was like yeah. on a, a, a continuous monthly book, like, no, that didn't come in this week. Like, it was late. You like, know what oh, they man. also didn't do? They didn't publish a list of books at the end of the comic yeah. in an <laughs> order that suggested that it was a story being told when in fact they were just telling you, Here's eight other random ass books yes. that may or may not be out that you can or can't buy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it it's a different time, kids. Uh, so yeah, before we go to X Men sixty, we stop off in X Factor one thirty for great. I had to do this as well because you yes. pick up the next one. And you're like, oh, shit, he dead? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh shit, nobody told me. Uh, so. Uh, X Factor is under the leadership of Val Cooper now. This is not the classic X Men team, obviously. Sabretooth is on the team. Uh, Wild Child, Mystique is on the team as well. Yeah, so I, I do actually remember this era of that team, okay? Because they were they were compelled to take these villains 
on the, these villains on the team. Uh, and they have like essentially some shock collar bomb mm-hmm. nanite Super nonsense embedded in them if they freak yeah. out or whatever. Yeah. And they're all set out to protect Creed. It gives them some nice scenes between Creed and his son, you know, and all that. And they know like, oh, Mystique is on her way to try to assassinate him. But I mean, we're really on some who shot JR shit. Assassin? Yeah. Creed gets assassinated, but it's not by <laughs> Mystique. And, you know, he gets like essentially turned into ash. Uh, and, you know, X Factor is kind of lightweight getting blamed for it because they didn't protect him from, from it happening. I, I, do you remember who winds up being revealed as the killer of Creed? Uh, I don't, but okay. I, I, I think it might be again, just because of the crossover that's coming up, uh, Bastion, who was some sort of super mm-hmm. sentinel, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. There's that part of it. And two is Creed get, does he get retconned back? Like, I don't remember him coming back alive in any other book or anything. Like I don't that. either. I, yeah. I don't either, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this I, is where, like, I was primarily collecting because I had always collected. Mm, um, yeah. and it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't until they started to deviate from what I would, like, they broke the mold and I was like, no, I'm out. I don't like this. Anymore, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm in the game here still too. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably conservatively 12 books a month, you know, probably I would say. And most of the main X-Men books, probably X-Factor as well, my Spider-Man. Like, I, I was probably pretty deep in, and I don't think I bailed out for a bit, you know, because it, it just became like that was my hobby. Like, what mm-hmm. else the hell else am I going to do at this point in time? So I might as well just collect these books and read them when I can. Uh But, yeah, that so that is our other story that we had to stop off on. Before going to X-Men number 60, where we get a recap. And to be fair, Shit is completely unrelated to the book you just read. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, these are completely different books. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now we're going to, you know, now read X-Men number 60 to find out what happens. Huh? Who? What? These books are completely unrelated to one another. Uh, our recap is Storm is just attacked in her room by Cyclops, but it's not really Cyclops. It's what? Kandra, the eternal. And, uh, allegedly she's attacking Storm because Storm as a child stole something from her, the heart of, what is it, the heart stone, yeah, of Kandra when she was a little, like, street urchin in, uh, Africa. And we get a recap of their food, their feud told in backstories as well. B plot is Cannonball and Jean, you know, discussing the assassination of Creed. And then the Shadow King returns. Air quotations or, uh, or question mark. Kind of, sort of. So let's get into this book. Now, you said before we recorded when we did our wrestling show that Kandra makes an appearance in X-Men, the animated series, correct? So, like, none of this made sense to me. And I was like, who are these people? (laughs) And Kandra is... uh, So they... I think after the X-Men cartoon that showed Gambit's uh, backstory with the Teeves and the Assassins... Yes. um, And the Tithe... Um, I think they told some semblance of that story and the eternal in that story was Kandra. So I don't know that they ever, you know, called the one in the cartoon Kandra, but that's what I came to understand was that's, she is essentially that person and she made the thieves and the assassins tithe to get her powers on. 
Yeah, one of the greatest X-Men animation episodes of all time, baby. Remy, it's your brother. All right. That, <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of when he just like takes the box away. That's a great episode. You tease, uh, don't check the box. You tease, you tease, you tease, you're too stupid to check the box. Tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <Lord>. All right. <laughs> so, oh, so everybody makes it into this story, like for this recap, except Mishnari, y'all. Uh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> well, like but, everybody. Come on. But, uh, if you would have asked me, like, who Jamil is, I would have yeah, said, that's Mishnari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I mean, all the backstory that you could want about Storm that you've heard of in the past, her claustrophobia, yeah. uh, from being in New York to being a street urchin and a thief, like <laughs> all of that is told in this book out of nowhere. Like this is, these are two filler issues. 61 is essentially the conclusion of this story that are completely unrelated. Now there's at some point in time where uncanny X-Men and X-Men don't do this like where there's stories that are uh like kind of independent like if you read uncanny one week two then in week three if x-men came out it was a continuation of that story i just because i remember they were trying to keep them separate with blue and gold but at Mm -hmm. some point in time that all gets muddied up right yeah yeah i mean they would they would might like break up a team but i mean i think when they they're like well you know, they all do live in the same house. Yeah. At a certain point, it became like a little bit difficult to keep them completely unconnected. But yeah. even in that first run, like, like the, the, there's a, a side angle side story in Uncanny. And then episode or like one, one through three of X-Men is like a story. And then it like crosses over after three into the other book, into the gold book or what. So they, it wasn't like month to month. It was yeah. more like, kind of block yeah, by story block story. With coupled more tightly and then they go off and do their own thing okay yeah this this book is completely just dropped in here for sure and again they're about to get not a new creative team but at least a new artist so mm-hmm. again carlos Pacheco's and he's about to have a a fairly lengthy run uh on this x-men book he's on this book he's going to be on the book for a while so this is just a filler story you know and a chance to get you know storm a little bit of a rub here and to reveal a little bit more of her backstory you know there's parts of this art that are kind of rickly and rdesque well and yeah and yeah and it's kind of like a hundred yeah i mean they're just copying somebody here um yeah so i brought up the part about kandra and the x-men the animated series yeah you know what let's go to the next slide (laughs) because this is going to answer the question or ask the question or whatever she should have been like in this whole sequence. She should have been like, "Oh, Cyclops, you need me to beat that ass again." Yeah, because I got powers now. Yeah, we do get the recap for that as well. But like, okay, so Black Panther and Storm. Okay, so were you reading books when they put them together and had no. the marriage? Same, same. My brother was reading at the time. And he said that this was some of the worst shit that he had ever read, putting them together because it made both characters weaker. Like it made him, it turned him into like kind of a jealous fuck boy. And it made her come out to office being like kind of this, you know, not being the goddess that she is. And so it was kind of weird that they put them together. 
I never knew before, not necessarily reading this book from by reading stuff later on, that they had already led this stuff that like it. I thought this was some sort of retcon back in the day, but they had already laid the foundation that her and, you know, and T'Challa had hooked up when they were younger. I mean, did you know that outside of the book? No. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I this is expert commentary here. You. Yeah, exactly. You can't pay for better analysis than this. Okay, I, no. I got some. I got some. No, I didn't read that shit. I, don't know. I got some analysis for you. Name a billion people in Africa. You trying to tell <laughs> me these two they gonna hook up with each other? Come on, son. Really? Come on. On the whole continent, they just happen. Well, to be but we established that the five black characters who are featured all know each other. Yeah, exactly. Africa. Yeah, they all know group chat for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, so I, like, I just, did y'all know Count Chocula was anti? <laughs> okay, and we're gonna get to this here in a second as well. Shadow King sucks. <laughs> you tell me a yes. good Shadow King story, and I'll tell you you're a liar. Tell me a good Shadow King story. Well, Shadow King works better, uh, like Xavier's you know, foil. Well, I was going to say as like a nemesis for like the new mutants mm-hmm. where like him, him being a, a controlling adult and them sucking basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I think there's some more shadow King in the new mutant stories. Um, the whole, the, when he takes over Xavier on Muir Island leading up to the, the split is a decent story. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, that was good. Yeah, in my in my opinion, and it was also set up by like, you know, there was like some long term stuff that went into that, so that was legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think they've just tried to figure out how to like bring him back, and he's always just this astral plane projection that does right. or doesn't have. Yeah, so when it's when it's, the, I think the thing that sucks about him is when it becomes I possess somebody and you can't fight me without hurting them. Yeah. That gets tired real quick. Yeah. And we're, we're, we see that here. Right. And we obviously saw that with Mijinari. Yes. <laughs> Not Mijinari. Mijinari. Yes. <laughs> that was the first episode was like, what is happening? Yeah. It's like everything else was like basically a version of the book. And that one was like, what, what's happening right now? Yeah. Man. I thought I put this in here, like, so as they're going through the story and in our flashbacks, and then when they bring it back, when they're about to, you know, when they're fighting, and then there's whatever the little dude's name and the little girl is, Storm been a mammy for years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, this ain't like a new thing about they're no. making her as a mammy-like character. Like, she's no. always been taking care of some non-black children her entire career existence here in this comic book. Uh it's just well, like she, oh. yeah, she's the mother. She's the goddess. And that yeah. means she's the she's everyone's mother. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. There's our B plot, y'all. So uh Cannonball is upset essentially that um that Creed was killed. Not that they necessarily killed, but you know his life was filled with hate. And this is well within the, you know, Xavier's not around. But they are definitely like trying to, you know, follow through on the dream or whatever. And all, they're all full filled with this bullshit, to be fair, uh, you know, about humans being OK people. And we got it, you know, yeah, when they go low, we go high mm. and it's a bunch of crap. 
And, you know, Gene is, you know, kind of in this role as a mentor here for Sam. And, you know, Sam's just telling the story, you know, about his old man, about how, you know, he always wanted to come to this country. And it's just, I, I hate the fact that Creed died full of hate. You know, like that just didn't really do much for me. And, you know, it, it leads to a question, two of them, actually. One, where was Sam and his daddy on January the 6th? <laughs> 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 no, but they seriously, were, they were gonna fight like hell to restore the republic. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I, I'm just saying that there's a strong possibility that Sam Guthrie and his daddy was in the Capitol building on January 6th. Well, uh, to be fair. Kentucky was a border state, right? <laughs> That's fair. Yes. And, uh, they did, they did reelect Mitch McConnell. Yep. Pretty sure they carried for Trump. Yeah. Creed was going to, yeah. Creed Trump was going to restore the coal mining industry. Oh, you know, and, and yeah. you know, so we had to support that, you know, so we yeah. go back to these. Yeah. They were going to fight like hell to restore the Republic. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I'm really thinking that they was there on January 6th for sure. So the second question mm. was Gene bringing back the high rise pants before anybody else? Oh yeah. Or- yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. Yeah. I think Gene was a, 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 yes, a definite, uh, fashion forward fashionista <laughs> here. Okay. So uh, subplot of that question. When, when are you going to die? <laughs> Like, wh- wh- why are you, why is she even alive here? Like, I'm trying to figure out. Wait, when are they going to kill her? Because uh, so she doesn't die again until um after the Grant Morrison after Magneto comes after Magneto is revealed Zorn. as Zorn. Ugh. Then there's a sequence where she gets roped into like uh, you know she starts accumulating power again, mm. and then it's the Phoenix, and then her and Wolverine are blasted into space. And she dies while they're orbiting the sun or some bullshit. And then mm. they come back to Earth and she's dead. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think, I but, it, but at this point, this is after. So the X-Men 30, they got married. Mm. And they don't break up until the Grant Morrison era. So she's Scott's wife at this point. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I think she doesn't die for a while. Yeah, and she's the man in the chair at this point in time because Scott's more out in the field and the leader, yeah. but she's more not doing that, uh, kind of assuming the, the Xavier role. Yeah. So the second question on there, besides the Guthrie's in January the 6th, let's play our game, y'all. MAGA, <laughs> not MAGA. All right, so we got the main components here of the people that are on there that are running or attempting to run on the Creed-Trump platform here. All right, so we got our main characters here. I didn't put Bobby's daddy on here because I'm fairly certain that we know that he was a Trump supporter. So we're yeah. going to call him MAGA. Yeah. So let's go from the top here. Storm. MAGA, not MAGA. Not MAGA. Not MAGA. That's fair. I can't. I, I, I try to think of a compelling argument as to why she would be, and I can't come up with one. Well, like, is she Omarosa? Well, yeah, there's a fair, but she did turn. Yeah. Uh, fairly quickly, so I'm gonna say not MAGA. Jean Grey, MAGA, not MAGA, not MAGA. I mean, she's not she's not the suburb wife to have been turned. 
you know, or get out of our communities and what have you. She's not MAGA. Uh, uh, okay. A rebuttal. Uh, She's married to Scott, who's probably MAGA. Fifty-three uh, percent of white women supported Trump. What? Where's? What state is he from? What? He's what? What? Nebraska? Is that where the? Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. Okay, so she's what? She's from like somewhere in the New England area. I think she's from Illinois, or is she from is like she? Chicago? That's Kitty Pride, ain't it? Maybe, but okay. I thought she was from that direction as well. Okay, so that's a fairly blue area. Um, I, 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 Gene's a tough one because again, fifty. He's from Alaska. Okay, mm. military. He's an orphan. He should be in supportive of, of supportive programs for people, but uh, it's a little tough, man. It's a little tough. But Gene, he does he does blindly support another despot's dream. So. <laughs> yes, uh, he but he did. But he did kill him eventually. He did also kill him eventually as well to break free of that cult. <laughs> Uh, Boy, that's tough. That, yeah, uh, yeah, Scott's a tough. I one hate, one. I hate, I, just because I could stand the thought of him, I'm going to say not MAGA. Okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go. With I hear Gene. your argument. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm with say Gene, until even though, otherwise. yeah, even though one out of two white women did support Trump, I'm going to take her on the other two of the one, uh, and say Gene's not MAGA. All right, Remy LeBeau. MAGA Remy not LeBeau MAGA. Remy doesn't vote, so. <laughs> okay, he always lost his rights. He, he's not registered. And so he doesn't really vote. Now, as soon as he gets charges, uh, you know, on some sexual assault, you know, he's going to support Trump. Yeah. yeah. But until then, he's not registered to vote. He doesn't really even care. I got charges. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I think we've established that Sam Guthrie is MAGA uh, for sure. Well, but he could like Sam's dad is and he has a bad relationship with his dad. So he could just. Just to be counter to his father, he maybe he could go the other way. You know this is one of those situations where they go to his father's house on Thanksgiving and they don't talk about politics, eat mashed potatoes, because that's what white people do on Thanksgiving, and watch Fox News all day. Yeah. He's MAGA. There's no there's not a chance the cannonball is not well, MAGA. He might have thought he was. Maybe he MAGA. leaves when somebody drops the first N word. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe he's like he goes out of a sense of duty, but once the N words start flowing, then he leaves. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna blast out of here, literally. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm well nigh invulnerable. Yeah, when uh, I'm bla- to to MAGA when I'm blasting. This is a good one, Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake, MAGA not MAGA, but he's not MAGA. Come, Come on, on. I, are we a hundred percent certain about this? There is the log cabin Republicans that support gay. There are gays for Trump, which is like, you know, roaches for raid. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it makes it. He's a white gay as well. I, I, well, he's I not would, gay at this point. That's well, fair. I'm, there, let me rephrase. Well, that. Yeah. He's he not. He hasn't out. come out as gay. He's not accepted yes. that. So, yes, I would. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would like everything that you would think with him otherwise that he would be rebelling against his father. He would go like completely the opposite direction because of what his dad did. Like, I totally understand that trying to be more progressive in an open platform. I cannot support Creed Trump, but 
I, I, I'm going to say not MAGA, but I'm not, well, I, I don't feel that good about it. So here, here's, I think the issue. Like, I think you can make the argument, all these where we're not sure they're on the fence. They might be 2016 MAGA, but not 2024 MAGA. Now, yeah, that's fair. Like, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Exactly. MAGA. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. But I, the uh, funny thing is like, this, we, this is the first time where, like when we think we've done the Avengers on this, then it's like they're all MAGA. <laughs> the X Men, the X Men is not as clear. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But so, yeah. well, they're minorities, so that yeah, makes sense. yeah. And we'll play this game as we go through <laughs> because there are people that are going to start to come up in these books. I'm like, uh, Bishop yeah. MAGA is fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's Herschel Walker in the comics. <laughs> I see he sold everybody out. Yeah, I see Bishop <laughs> Bethel with Tim Scott. He's like, yo, sir. Yeah, exactly. Get rid of these. Got to get rid of these wells and fixers <laughs> up in his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see Bishop at the mall with a Tim Scott T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. But we, we will play this as we go through because I think it's you know for some of these books it's a better story than the actual comic book. <laughs> because again, we're dropping in. I, again, we might have said that we're not excited about this X Men ninety seven, but I think it's just more like lowering our expectations so we don't get ourselves disappointed. You know, I yeah, think that's we're a fooling mature, ourselves. Yeah, it's a mature way to look at it because if this was ten years ago, <laughs> like oh shit, they're making X Men ninety seven, like I wouldn't be able to be held back. Like I'd be so excited. I would. If it to... was twenty years ago, we'd have been like, oh no, because because yeah. season five would have been too fresh. I didn't. Yeah, I, didn't I haven't even watched all of season five. Yeah, I can't. There's a there's an age of not age of apocalypse. There's a, a onslaught story in there, or at least the character makes an appearance of some mm. sort. Onslaught does at least the the visual character of it. I don't know if it's you know anywhere near to the story. So all right. I think the last slide is the final reveal, y'all. Shadow King, MAGA as hell. Um, <laughs> definitely MAGA. Voted multiple times as well. This <laughs> is <It's> different people. <laughs> and infiltrated he different people. He just keeps possessing people and voting. Yeah, and voted MAGA. Uh, and so, yeah, it is revealed, uh, you know, maybe, uh, if you've read ahead, it's actually not the Shadow King, but uh, it is revealed that one of her little mammies, uh, custodial people has been infiltrated by the shadow king and he is back to possess the heart of the eternal and get that power for himself uh the art on this is an imitation of somebody that i can't remember yeah it's like it looks like a fake will spatasio and will spatasio was doing a fake mm. jim lee and this is kind of like you know third cousin removed that's basically what oh it is. no like who's that we read some after after Jim Lee got off the books, after they, who was, who drew the books like right after the image guys dropped off of them after the split, mm. blue and gold split? Cause there was that one. Ian, yeah. Before, before Ian Kubert, Churchill. Yeah. 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 Before, uh, before Kubert took over. Yeah. This um, is like that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a imitation of somebody else. And like you can definitely tell there, so Cedric Nokun or whatever your name is there, it's it's a little bit off. But I understand because they probably told him, "Can you draw it just like that so people won't be bitching?" Yes. Well, they probably and probably they found out like three days before the book was due. Like, oh yeah, they the regular artist can't write it. Can you knock yeah. this out? Yeah. So. so that's fine. Okay. And that's it, y'all. You know. So uh, our first two X Men ninety seven books, Brother Beavis. What are you thinking? Uh, well, I think that again, because this is an imitation of the Claremont era, 
there is no single book that means anything. So mm-hmm. the jury, uh, it's a no, no decision, yeah. no contest. <laughs> yeah. Time limit. Draw. We have figured yeah. out, uh, what's actually going on in the larger story. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, you know, the books are kind of like the backdrop of the whole series here. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to go through these books, but I think what's kind of going on in the comic book industry around it is probably a little bit more interesting than some of the books to be fair. And, you know, we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit as we go through. So it'll be two issues per as we get through. Um, again, there'll be some stop offs here in between some other books, but that's kind of where we are. All right. So that'll kind of end us up for tonight. Uh, hey, I never changed my background from red. <laughs> I'm just kind of looking at that. Uh, remember, you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud. And, and here are the, the action figures. That oh, yes. My dreams. Nice. I'm, yes. I'm trying to avoid buying these. So. Yes. <laughs> Stay away. As those X-Men 97 figures show up at Walmart, uh, which they will. Uh, I, I, this is my final thought on this. I kind of imagine that Disney is like, we better put some money behind this because we're going to really try to – is this uh, – future investing for something else like because if we blow this cartoon it could damage a little bit about the live action part of it so we mm-hmm. really need to like you know kind of put our best foot forward we cannot just throw out some bullshit and just expect people to like accept it like i think they really need to really put their forward you know their best effort here and uh, it, it'll be it, interesting because as the first disney x-men project and the worst thing is like so much of this would be better as a cartoon. Yeah. Like so many of the stories they're telling would be better as a cartoon and they can do a lot with a cartoon. And if they're going to embrace it and hold it up to the same level as the rest of their product and tell decent stories, there's no reason it can't be, you know, more prominent, more widely regarded than any other, you know, movies they put out. But, you yeah. know, it can't just be like, we're going to put out this streaming thing for whatever, whatever it's, you know, there's a, this is an opportunity and this can, you know, this could, this could lay the seeds for, uh, you know, a movie. And that's, that's, that to me, if they're not looking at it that way, then, then it's a missed opportunity because this gives them a way to start to tell stories and raise awareness so that when they do make a movie, they don't have to make an origin X-Men story. They can actually jump into something. Give us, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Give us yeah. that. Dude, yeah. You could do that. There's no reason that you couldn't. Yeah. You could do that with the X-Men. There's plenty of stories that you could tell. I mean, God, those X-Men that are Earth's Mightiest Heroes, they weren't telling Avengers stories because there's a bunch of crappy Avengers stories. Really they were, though. Yeah. The first season was like direct rip of the like the 1963 issue oh, okay. 1 through 12. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, again, remember, I didn't jump on to that till much later so but you didn't they you, can do something those weren't in your box in 63 no not yeah, not the 63 box yeah mm, hello i would like some silver age comics please no that didn't happen all right so yeah so we'll be back relatively quickly here for these these are easy to turn around because we don't have to one go buy the books and two uh, <laughs> we can we can kind of remember a lot of these from memory from reading them so many years ago so yeah you can find the podcast soundcloud itunes there's no stitcher y'all it's gone uh good pods google uh iheart radio you put in brothers comics this will pop right up 
can say it into your Google or your Amazon device. It'll come up. Uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. So I get to bring back the X-Men, the animated series exit music. If you're listening on the podcast side, not on the YouTube side. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to get through this. You know, some of these books on my early reads or preview reads, I'm like, oof, that's not a great book, but there are plenty of things I can make fun of. So I'm looking forward to that part of it. So that's where we are. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off as a producer. Go ahead and sign off, Brother Beavis. All right. Uh, cross promotion with, uh, since you have the backdrop up anyway, mm. podcast one at 197. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and falling, y'all. And falling. Uh, and if Conrad Thompson owes you more, or Colin Thompson owes you money. Oh, my God. What a so. What I think we're recording, I don't know if it'll be released, but our next an endeavor is also Marvel related, correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, we're going to go into the new Fantastic Four from 1978. The news a little bit of a misnomer. Well, but content. it was at the time. The new <laughs> Fantastic Four, the NBC one season, I think 13 episode version of the Johnny Storm human torchless uh fantastic four that'll be the next uh offering for cartoons and cereal i told brother beavis it's not as bad as you remember but also you might not remember it because preview alert in our area it got preempted pretty much every week so uh we may do the magneto episode which is episode two uh, which is a little bit cheesy, but uh, the pilot is not that bad. Really I also bad. watched the Doctor Doom one, and it's the same plot. Not the same plot, but the same resol- the same resolution. But is it as cheesy as you thought it was? Uh, we'll save it for the there we, we save it for content. the podcast. There you go. So that's a tease, y'all. So come back for cartoons and cereal. That'll be released at some point in time here in the next few days. Check this one out as well. Subscribe on the YouTube page. And we'll see everybody next time. Peace, everybody. Peace.